for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! going on guys it is the blitz podcast we are back here with the power rankings we're up to number 17 now my very great greatest franchise in all of sports history the pittsburgh Steelers, and we got a special guest on today in mitchell mcdonald to uh try and contain my excitement so mitchell glad to have you back how are we feeling I'm doing pretty good. Found some time to get in here on the pod rankings before we make it to my team, who we got a little bit later in the rankings. But it'll be a nice change of pace for us, especially after you and Kane argued over this ranking for about an hour yesterday. Uh, yeah, that may that may or may not have happened. Uh, it was certainly a healthy debate, and uh, glad we had it, hashed it out. Steelers are still here. Um, but very excited to talk about this team today. We're very excited to have Mitchell back because he's been grinding away with his 27th consecutive year of school. Um, and, uh, yeah, pretty pretty excited here. So we'll jump right into it with the quarterback situation. And it is the god Kenny Pickett here. I uh, took the – I've got to, like, I've got to turn off, like, the – The fandom. Yes. It's got to <laughs> It's got to stop. Um Wait till we get to the next slide. It's going to be really fun. Um, but we do have Kenny Pickett here. Uh, is the full-time starter now after taking over for Mitchell Trubisky last season. Um, I'm very excited for Kenny Pickett. We uh, I did a little deep dive into some of his stats, especially down the stretch last year. Uh, from week 10 on, which was like kind of when the Steelers' season turned around, when TJ Watt came back uh, after the bye week, uh, Excluding the two games that he missed uh, where he played like four snaps in the Ravens game and then he missed the Panthers game. So from weeks 10 to 13 and weeks 16 through 18, Kenny Pickett was the number two quarterback per PFF throughout that last uh, final stretch of the season that he was playing in. So a lot of optimism from me as far as he goes. Uh, I slandered this pick to no end when it was made. Uh, Mitchell was in my living room. I nearly had a heart attack. Said some very unkind things. I remember doing the uh, the pre like we did a pre draft show. Me and Kane just probably like an hour or two before the uh, before the draft started. I had my Steelers hat on. My Steel. I'm pretty sure I had this hat on. The Steelers jersey. And I'm like a new era starts tonight. The Malik Willis era starts in Pittsburgh tonight. You know we're gonna. It's it's really exciting because it's the first time we've had a new quarterback in a long time. And I was so hell bent on Malik Willis. I thought for sure it was gonna be Malik Willis. I'm holding on to every trade up. Uh. And ultimately, Malik Willis falls all the way down. We get Kenny Pickett. I'm screaming about how we drafted uh, young or the same age Daniel Jones. The best part is that you had been live posting every draft pick up until then. And you're like, nope, can't do it. I'm not posting it. And I, we just check out for the rest of the night. I, so for the like I made, I probably made something like 100 different like potential scenarios which is entirely too much for me to be doing considering we have 1200 followers but i like pre-made like any scenario like i had like for each player i had like six to seven teams that they could possibly get drafted to so that way as soon as they got drafted i could post it immediately and it was ready to go um did not make a kenny pickett one for the steelers 
I'm like I had like all kinds of tackles, corners. I have Malik Willis. I didn't make Desmond Ritter because I didn't even want to see that in my eyes. Um, if you've listened to the Falcons episode, which you absolutely should do, which is a reminder right now because this was one of the things that I wanted to hit in the intro. Please go watch every single one of these videos. As soon as, as matter of fact, stop here, start at 32, come all the way back to here. I'm sure all of you have that much time. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. I know you can do this in the beginning, the end. I don't really care. Um, but if you watch the Falcons episode, I'm not very high on Desmond Ritter. We have him at 32, so I'm glad we went with Kenny Pickett. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pickett just in general? I'm going to, you, you got to like jump in at some point to stop me from talking. Uh, I just kind of wanted to let you get that out of your system that you were having the second worst night of your life that I've been able to personally witness next to the Cleveland Browns playoff game. And here you are talking about how he's the second best quarterback for about an eight week span. I'm going to temper your expectations just a little bit because while he was good over that stretch, how good was the team? They did solid. They did make a comeback, but they still didn't make the playoffs. And the offense still left you wanting more. Granted, that's probably a lot due to Matt Canada. But if you kind of look at his spread of where his passes go, there's still one thing that I kind of want to see from Pickett. And it's he kind of neglects the middle of the field. And by kind of, I mean lowest of all quarterbacks. And you have a guy like Deontay Johnson. You have a Pat Fryermuth. You have two guys that could legitimately be weapons in the middle of the field. And he's just not quite seeing the field the full way he needs to. Maybe it's just play calling and who knows, but he's shown a lot more than what I expected year one. I had Sam Howell over him in my rankings. I had Malik Willis over him in my rankings. And so far he's number one, granted very low competition. And that was very much stated the entire draft process last year, but he's been number one to this point. And I think you got the one out of the draft class that could be, a solid starter in the NFL. Well, yeah. maybe Hal, but we'll see. Yeah, and I liked Hal too. I had, so my rankings were Willis, Pickett, Hal, and then I think I had Corral and then Ritter. Like, I did, I was not a fan of Ritter. Every time I saw Steelers Photoshop of Desmond Ritter, I almost threw up in my mouth. But I do think that the middle of the field thing was a play calling thing more than anything because, like, outside of those, like, drags that we would run with Big Ben – he was. We were never targeting the middle of the field with him either. I think that is more of a Matt Canada issue, which we were definitely going to talk about here in a little bit. But <laughs> I don't think that's a Kenny Pickett thing. I think it is much more of a Matt Canada thing. I will say, though, that like the winning part of it was T.J. Watt more than Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. Like the As crazy as it is to say, T.J. Watt being back, like I think we had a, what, 7-3 and three record with him playing last year. Or no, eight and two, sure. eight and two, because we had we were seven and two throughout the last nine when he came back, and then we had the one game at the beginning with Cincinnati where he, you know, like forced like two or three turnovers, and we beat what ultimately was one of the two or three best teams in the NFL. Uh, but with Pickett, you know, obviously he doesn't have the rocket arm, he doesn't have lightning speed. Uh, I I hate to do it, man, but he's just got it factor. He's just got moxie. Like he's got like I I hate to do it. Trust me, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Does he? I hate it. Does he? I hate or are it. Are you just watching Pickensburg on Twitter make videos? No, I'm not watching Pickensburg. Cool. No, <laughs> I'm not watching Pickensburg. But like he literally just like it just feels like every play. It just feels like he does just enough to get it done. And like there's value to that in a way. Like. He, he does just enough scrambling ability. Like, he's 
I wouldn't say he has like that same thing, but like you know how there's this like Patrick Mahomes thing where he like runs just faster than whoever's chasing him, no matter who it is. Like he's got a little bit of that there. Um, he strikes me as like Walmart brand Joe Burrow because the hands thing is also an issue between him, and it's not flashy, but like it's steady. Yeah, and like that's. I, I see, so, like, he gets out some runs a little bit more than Burrow. Like, Burrow, and mm-hmm. obviously Burrow's better at pretty Burrow much everything else. Burrow out at the end of the year last time. Yeah, yeah. And, then like, I mean, obviously Burrow's better at pretty much everything else. But, like, and, like, another like, thing was the hands were never really an issue. Granted, we ne- I don't think we had, like, a, we had, I think it was kind of rainy in that Saints game. Like, the one with all the pigeons in the back. Like, that whole, that was such a weird... Uh, but, like, the hands were never really an issue. Maybe that becomes an issue later down the road, but at least for right now, we're okay as far as that goes. You got any final thoughts on Pickett? Uh, hopefully he'll develop. Hopefully the offense develops with him in Canada. Tries to force the middle of the field more because it's going to be a little easier to defend this team if they know what's coming every time. Yeah, and that's... Obviously, like I said, we'll talk about Canada a little bit when we get into the coaching staff. You mentioned uh, pre-show that part of the reason why you had Pickett a little bit lower was because of like what he's going to be able to do because of Canada, like what kind of stuff he's going to be able to run because of Canada. But we'll move on from Kenny Pickett. And we'll move on to the playmakers here, which for a long time, I wouldn't say was our best group, but like, I've, and this is how it is for most teams because it's the guys that catch the ball. But it was like everybody was excited about this group and it was young and all that. And like now I'm kind of starting to feel like, all right, now it's like they're not young anymore. Like, Najee Harris is going into year three, which, you know, for a running back, that isn't young anymore. Deontay Borderline Johnson. retirement. <laughs> getting up there. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I believe, is going into year six or seven, something around there, which, you know, really doesn't feel like that. George Pickens going into year two. You bring in Allen Robinson. That's just going to be kind of a reclamation project. I th- Like, do you think this is Allen Robinson's last stop if he can't figure it out here in Pittsburgh? <laughs> unless he's like another four string receiver i don't see him really working out it's more like you just bring him in if it works congrats if it doesn't oh well it's a seventh round pick who cares yeah and like if it wasn't Allen robinson like i love calvin if it Austin. wasn't the name yeah and like if we didn't bring in a cow Cal- or an Allen robinson i know you love him i love him it's probably gonna be calvin austin in the slot or in this spot and i don't know if i love him starting all the time you know, being that small, he's already dealt with an injury in the league. He missed all of last season because of it. And what happens if he goes out again? We're finishing the season like we did last year with Miles Boykin and shit like that that I don't know if I can watch again. So I think bringing in Allen Robinson was a nice add because, and we, we like moved back like 12 spots in the seventh round. And we're only paying him, I think, $5 million of his $15 million salary from the Rams. So basically a cost-free addition to get a guy that we've seen at one point in time playing an elite level. Uh, and then Pat Fryermuth, who I have said some asinine things about because I love him so much. And uh, I, I really think he could be like, if he was, if he was dropped into the Ravens offense and told to do exactly what Mark Andrews does, I don't think you'd see that much difference. I really don't. Well, Greg Roman's Ravens offense. Well, we yeah, don't know like what it's going to look like the previous, right now. But. The previous iteration of the Ravens offense, I don't think there'd be that much difference. I think he does. The only thing that he doesn't do very well is block. And, like, that's kind of, like, 
I, I honestly think that's a lot of the reason why we went after Darnell Washington was because he is an extension of the offensive Six line. offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's kind of, like, tight ends aren't being asked to do that as much anymore. Like, you look at some of the best guys in the league, Andrews, Kelsey. Um, I mean, Hawkinson's okay at blocking, but... I mean, Kittle definitely. I, I skipped. O- I skipped over speed. Kittle. I skipped over Kittle because he's good at it. But and it works like probably yeah. the Bills are probably and gonna end up doing it with Kincaid, mm-hmm. where he's not on the line. He's more like mm-hmm. a slot guy. It's just a matter of which system you're willing to run. Yeah, as a fly goes right. I, I know. I'm camera. sitting there. I was like, but I I think this he is one of the better tight ends in the NFL. It's just there's a lot of like. I think like everybody I think he's top ten with some aspirations to maybe get into the top five. The thing is, I don't. But he needs a little more development. The top five, so Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Hawk, Hawk, and then Pitts. I from the first or year, Waller. yes. Last year was kind of out the window. Waller's probably like five six range, depending on how and you want to argue. I feel like there's like a hard line. After that, especially in down to and stuff like, like that, Fryermuth, Evan Ingram, and Joku, guys like that that are just like maybe Everett, Everett, well, Everett in the eh. like one in every ten games he yeah, decides to go for like, hundred yards. Yeah, <laughs> but like there's a pretty hard line there, and I think it's going to be tough for Fryermuth to ever break that because like I was getting ready to say, like I feel like this whole group is like all on the same kind of talent level. Like there's nobody that sticks out over one guy. It's going to be really, it's just going to be a matter of who's Kenny Pickett's favorite target. Like with Deontay and Pickens, I think obviously they're good at two completely different things, but they're probably about the same level of talent at what they do. Najee Harris, you're not feeding him overly aggressively. Same thing with Jalen Warren behind him and Fryermuth again, like right there. Uh, what's your favorite thing about this group of playmakers? Uh, my favorite thing, probably the next slide we're going to get to for Najee Harris, because Najee just, it's been a little lackluster for a first round pick. Like he's been solid, but you can see a lot of second and third rounders do the same thing. And I know you love him, but his explosive run rate hasn't been there. It was better in year one than it was this past season. And I know he was injured, but by the time he re- would have recovered from it, he was doing worse than what he was when he played injured. It was kind of weird for explosive run rate. You look at the percentages, it was not as good. Somehow, or some way, it was not as good when he was healthy as opposed to injured. And I'm just not big on Deontay. Unless they can find a way to get the middle of the field active again, he'll be good again. But last year he had over 140 targets, under 900 receiving yards, and no touchdowns. And he was a guy that you tried to argue for in the top ten of receivers the year prior. He and he like for, as far as fantasy goes, Deontay Johnson fantasy, was right there. Yes, it was just a matter of like, what are the odds that a guy gets 140 targets? Like the next closest guy, and I put this in, like I looked it up on. I'm able to use StatMuse, so I looked it up. The next closest guy was 41 targets behind him as far as guys that have had the most targets and never scored a touchdown. Like it was like a bunch of like. Like, LaDainian Tomlinson was on there somewhere with, like, 70 or 80 targets <laughs> without a receiving back. touchdowns. It was a bunch of running backs, dude. Like, I think uh, it was some – oh, Torrey Holt. I think Torrey Holt was actually the next close. I know he's not a running back, but Torrey Holt with the Jags in 09 was, like, in the top three or five with, like, 95 targets or something like that. But it was, like, 95, 96, 97, you know, all, like, clumped in there. that's, like, the offense because – Everything was underwhelming in the red zone for that team. And he also had like 
four or five occurrences that I can think of off the top of my head where he just had like his toe out of like in the back corner of the end zone, like his toe was just out of bounds and doesn't score a touchdown. Somebody else scores is what it is. I like Kenny Pickett said in an interview the other day, it just, it's luck. Like, that's just it's bad luck is kind of all you can really attribute it to. You know, yeah, but the I under nine hundred yards is bad luck. <laughs> I think the under nine hundred yards may have been on one hundred forty targets. Yeah. you're missing half of the argument. <laughs> no, I I hear you. I hear you. It was definitely a down year for Deontay, but like we'd be feeling a lot better about it if he scored seven touchdowns, like you know where he's usually at for touchdowns. Um, shall we talk about NFL Young Boy? Ah. Uh, yeah, we can. We can. I okay. think I, there's some optimism. I don't think he'll be like a fantasy monster or anything like that. Just because he's not a PR machine. Mm-hmm. Granted, that was a lot of Matt Canada, I think. I don't know if it's because he's good. not as great in the middle of the field on his routes. But when you just ask him to run go routes and corners the entire time, of course he's not going to get targeted that much. And of course he's not going to have huge games. I think he had five games where he had three or more catches. Yeah, I, th- I think it was out uh, of 17. The stat that I, or not the stat, but like what I grabbed was he had three games of five or more catches. So, like, you're, he, he's never going to be a guy you feel great about in fantasy, as unfortunate as that is. And like I talked about, he can about be him. A, like a reliable option when you just, he's, a th- he's a three under pressure and need to just hope. And like, he's a reliable guy in that. For redraft, these guys, both Deontay and Pickens, are probably are going in like wide receiver three, early wide receiver four range, which is kind of crazy because that's the highest draft. Like, those are your two top receivers for this team. And I, it kind of, to me, seems like nobody knows which one it's going to be. So they're just going to stay away from both, um, which is, you know, worse. Our main league is obviously switching to Dynasty this year. So it's a little bit different. Like, there's a world in which Matt Canada's gone next year and I have George Pickens and I'm doing backflips. But for right now, I'm not really touching any of these guys. Really, I like I'd take a flyer on Pat Fryermuth. I think maybe you can get some post type on Najee, but don't draft him as your one. For God's sakes, please don't draft him as your one. Um, Unless you're doing zero running back. That's yeah. the only time. And even if, if you're doing zero running back and you take Najee Harris, you've you're not doing zero you've, running back anymore because you're taking it too early. You've, Unless you fell a ton. Yeah. You're in the league that's what I'm, just that's what Ravens I'm, fans. That's what I'm excited for in our league is I feel like everybody hates Najee so much and thinks he's so shit that I'm going to get him in like the ninth round in a dynasty league. That's my hope anyway. Just being a little optimistic. I don't hate him that much. Oh, come on. I'll be that clear Please. up front. I'd take him before the ninth round. Um, Maybe even the seventh. <laughs> uh, but real quick, we'll touch on Calvin Austin was, what, a fourth – three like low 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 four threes something like that I think it was four three one something yeah like that. uh is sure. five nine i think he's going to play a fun little role here in pittsburgh i'm can't believe i'm saying this but i'm excited to see what matt canada draws up for him uh and how he gets him involved because Those obviously wide receiver reverses are gonna go crazy they're gonna go nuts <laughs> um but obviously he's not um, among this top three, so he's going to be getting some, you know, he's going to be getting his snaps pretty sparingly, but I think he can make the most of them. We talked about his speed. He he was like a 99th percentile athlete outside of height and weight. So he'll be fun to watch for. Um, and then Jalen Warren, I, we're going way more in depth on this group than I have with any other team. And I'm, I'm sorry if you're not a Steelers fan and you haven't gotten this great analysis quite yet, but uh, Jalen Warren, I hated him because he was taking away from Najee's touches, and I just love Najee <laughs> to death. 
but, but like solid. towards the end of the year, I was like, okay, this guy's pretty good. Like it's kind of hard for me to hate him because he is good. So and we, you know, he was undrafted. So I've seen a lot of hype for from big fantasy guys saying keep him as a handcuff because he could end up altering so- stuff and from Najee. Keep him fresh. And I'll tell you this, if something happens with Najee, there's not a guy that's gotten consistent snaps last year outside of those two. It's like Anthony McFarland's still here. I don't even think Benny Snell's here anymore. So, like, if Jalen Warren were to take over as number one because Najee gets hurt, Jalen Warren is a, you know, it's July, so I don't want to say anything too crazy. But, dude, he's he's an RB1 on a week-to-week basis, in my opinion. I think he's, because especially because he can get the receiving work. He's quick out of the backfield. He'll get you those explosive runs that Najee unfortunately cannot uh but it'll be fun to watch we're 20 minutes in and we've done three slides all right moving on to the offensive line uh this was the first round this is where our first round pick was used on broderick jones the tackle from georgia they also uh invested in free agency and isaac Sayamalu. got james daniels here from last offseason uh and chuck sakorafor who they extended last offseason and mason cole who they signed last offseason so what's your favorite part about this group notice how i'm always starting with favorite and not like something <laughs> you want to talk about optimism only and you can actually kick it to me for offensive line analysis. I've liked what you guys have done free agency over the past few years, getting Sayamalo and Jaden Daniels. It was definitely needed. Them along with Mason Cole in the middle, they should be able to do some up the middle inside runs with Najee. You have a big running back like Najee. You can finally take care of that now that you're pretty stacked on the interior. Well, Stacked is a loose word because they're all no, like stacked. above stacked average. Is stacked is good. stacked is not a good word for it, but they're, they're more competent than they were before. You're not yelling at everybody on the offensive line now, but I do kind of worry about the tackles because I we mentioned a little bit before. Corfor, he's not going to be horrible. He's going to be there on the offensive line, probably just below average in terms of tackle rankings of what you'd want. I know he graded around sixty last year on PFF. So he's better than a guy that would be coming off the bench or the streets to play, but you're not expecting elite level play. And then I think Broderick Jones, he's only got one year left tackle because he had to fill in for Sawyer after he graduated and went to the NFL. And he was solid at Georgia. I just think it might take a few years for his pass blocking to really develop. He's a good run blocker. He'll be able to do stuff to his side running, but pass blocking is going to be a little rough, and if you're expecting big things from Kenny Pickett, you might end up seeing a little more of the quick game if you don't want him on an island by himself at left tackle against some of the best edge rushers in the league. Yeah, and obviously like he's got a Miles Garrett, a Trey Hendrickson uh, within this division. Baltimore is always going to be able to create and pressure. And a Kyle Van Noy now, too. And a Kyle Van Noy as well, obviously <laughs> a monster. Um how are we going to adjust the Ravens' rankings now that they've added Melvin Gordon and Kyle Van Noy? Do they move up, what, six, seven spots in overall ranking for you? Uh, playmakers are now 32nd with Melvin Gordon. Okay. Forgot about that. Um, <laughs> uh, I was – so I'm going to keep treating this like a storytelling time. Um, for draft night with Roger Jones, I was honestly surprised. I was uh, – so obviously the three – tackles if you want to call Skaronsky a tackle Paris Jones Skaronsky and then Darnell Wright comes off the board I really didn't want Darnell Wright so I was glad that he went 
uh, before us. And then we were sitting there at 17. Like I saw Christian Gonzalez. I thought we were jumping up for Christian Gonzalez. I thought we were maybe even jumping up for Joey Porter, who we'll talk about in a minute because he's on our team. Um, and we jumped the Jets, which I think was genius. Thank God Bill Belichick is the most petty person on the planet because he just let us jump them for nothing. Really nothing. Uh, and we were able to get a guy who hopefully could be our franchise tackle, uh, was very good at Georgia the past few or at least last year, right? Because Sawyer was... Sawyer was a rookie last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think he also played some snaps at tack, or right tackle the year before. I think it was the right like tackle sparring. Yeah. for the first championship. Yeah. So uh, he's much more of a pass protector than a run blocker, which as a guy who is a much more developmental type tackle, uh, I like that a lot more because when you have a guy who's a developmental piece, but he's good at run blocking, you get like what we got from Trevor Penning last year where he's – Cool, like he's he's probably gonna be a better run blocker Look than Broderick Jones would be a pass protector. <laughs> but then he's like so bad in pass protection that it's gonna kill your passing game. And obviously that's what's the most valuable in the league now. And Broderick Jones is an athletic freak. And if he's already got a little bit of a refined pass protecting game, I think that's very good. He, like I said, an athletic freak can figure out the run blocking stuff. Like that's not something that I'm overly worried about. I think he can develop that a lot easier than his pass protection ability. I also think Isaac Sayamalu, like I put it in a breakout candidate, not because I think he's going to improve so much when he gets to Pittsburgh. I just think people are going to notice him more. Like he was on that stacked Eagles offensive line where it's like Jason Kelly, Kelsey, yeah, Jordan Mailata, uh, Lane Johnson. Like they're all talking about those guys. This guy graded in what I think he was in like he was sixth or something. He was in the high seventies, and like hell, I barely even like I was like, is he? Did he start for them last? Like I had no idea. I couldn't remember. Like I knew he was on the roster, but like they had drafted they drafted Landon Dickerson the year before. They had uh, Cam Jurgens in there, so it was like that interior. The guard spots were a little messy, um, so like. It's great. I'm glad we have him now. Uh, and I really think that with him and James Daniels, I think that's one of the best pairs of guards in the NFL, especially as far as, you know, even just underrated guards go. Like, those two guys were sneaky good signings by us, I believe. So, very excited for this offensive line that has been a problem spot for us for so long. And hopefully, you know, with Khan coming in here and we're really investing back in the trenches again, uh, can be fixed over time. So moving on to the front seven, which is the biggest strength of this team ranking at fourth, which is our highest front seven to this point. And I believe tied with the Falcons for the highest group of like well, players. Coaching. Cause yeah, I was about Belichick. to say like other than, other than coaching, uh, which we also have at fourth with Mike Tomlin, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, damn it. I'll cut that out. I'm sorry guys. Um, <laughs> it'll stay. It'll stay. Uh, <laughs> It obviously starts with this uh, pair of edge guys, TJ Watt, who the last time we saw play a fully healthy season, one defensive player of the year, tied the sack record, should have broke it because he sacked Tyler Huntley. I was there. I saw it. It happened. And if fucking Michael Strahan falling on top of Brett Favre counts, that should count. He has the record. He should have the record. Anyway, uh, we also extended Alex Highsmith the other day. Uh, he gets a four-year, $68 million deal. I think that's good value for a guy who, for a lot of teams, I feel like would be a one for probably at least a third, if not a half of the league. I could, 
I didn't realize how many sacks he had last year. <laughs> he was notification. he was leading the league in sacks for the first eight games of the year, and that was without T.J. Watt on the other side. He's got Malik Reed on the other side of him. Alex Highsmith was probably getting doubled for a good portion of that, and he was leading the league in sacks. So, was a guy that I wasn't a huge fan of when we drafted him. I didn't really get it. Like, I was like, can we please just bring back Bud Dupree? Why do we have to do this again? Like, you're only going to get lucky so many times with these edge rushers. Clearly not. We're just going to keep turning them out. Uh, and. Like I said, would be an edge for probably, or would be the best edge for probably a third of the league. Uh, we have him here next to one of the four or five best guys in the NFL. Uh, then on the interior, we still have Cam Hayward, who's still playing in a, uh, a borderline elite level. I can't imagine how much longer that's going to go on. You know, we maybe have one yeah. to two years left of that. Um, one of the biggest like things from last offseason was we were under the impression like, okay, well, we're going to have TJ, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward, and we would also have Stephon Tuitt coming back, who was you know probably was a Pro Bowl player at multiple points in his career, or maybe just one point, but he was a very good player. Pulled the rug out from under yeah, us. Gone. <laughs> we, we didn't have Stephon Tuitt. We were able to get Joby here, which I think is a really sneaky. <laughs> like, dude, I love Ogunjobi. The of the AC North at this point. Yes, dude. Been everywhere but Baltimore. <laughs> and, and I guarantee you, just like I thought about Melvin, I guarantee you Joby spends at least some time in Baltimore in his career. I mean, he's got. They have to do. They it. love. They love doing that to. little shit where it's just like this guy was above average at one point in time, and now he's not. Let's go get him. Uh, we also well, he's got to complete the AFC North cycle. Yeah, you have to every team. When he also he almost <laughs> had Chicago, but then he like fake retired to get out of the contract, and then we ended up picking him up here in Pittsburgh, and we even extended him. So good for us. Uh, our second round pick, Keanu Benton, or one of our second round picks uh, coming from Wisconsin. A lot of people's pro comp for him, like obviously not on a talent level, but on a play style level, was Cam Hayward. So good job, Pittsburgh. Uh, this linebacker duo, though. Could be a problem. I think might be the biggest. I mean, obviously, they don't have their own separate yeah. slide. I do think that this Bruh. might be the single biggest problem position. It's been a problem position ever since Ryan Chazier was brutally murdered uh, in Cincinnati. And then we drafted Devin Bush, and he brutally murdered us. Gave like, Miles Jack a dance. There was a point in time where I was like, dude, Devin Bush is going to be the next best linebacker in the NFL. Like, I think it was that Chargers game that he, it was like 2019. He played really well. I think he had a pick six in that game. But that rookie year, dude, he was flying all over the field. He was awesome. Um, now he's slow. Then he wasn't awesome. Well, he tore his <laughs> like, Achilles or his ACL or something. So that might attribute to it partially. Um, but now he's in Seattle. Uh, and we just kind of, we also, we did the Miles Jack thing. We gave him a chance. That didn't work out. He graded it like a 30 last year, which was certainly something impressive yeah to even be that low is yeah it's pretty impressive uh so we overhauled this linebacker room we bring in cole holcomb from washington uh then also elandon roberts from miami he also spent some time in new england in his career as well he actually been in the league for like seven years i didn't realize how old he was yeah, um until i was yeah. to it. uh no i looked at it a few hours ago thank you um but this is probably the biggest problem spot on this team, this linebacker pair. Uh, but what do you have as far as this front seven goes? I really like everything you guys have at edge. You have a four-headed monster in TJ Watt, High Smith, Nick Herbig, who his brother Nate is on the offensive and line I, as a backup. I, I think he might end up playing some off-ball as well. 
I've heard like some he's, training camp rumblings about. Oh, well, he's gonna have to <laughs> see that duo. To he's gonna have to, <laughs> and then Marcus Golden as well. Mm-hmm. You guys will have a very healthy rotation coming in off the edge, so you don't have to worry about if one guy goes down. You guys will be fine. Linebackers obviously an issue. I mean, Landon Roberts. If you ask him to drop in coverage, he's gonna suck. He's a down the pipe, run right at you type of guy, and you're praying Holcomb can work out there. And then on the front line, obviously Cam Hayward. I don't have to say much about him. He's top five in the league still at his age for the position. I like the pick of Keanu Benton. He's going to be solid right off the bat. He's not flashy by any means, but he gets the job done at all occasions. And then nice little pickup for the charges you guys got. Right behind him on the depth chart is Braden Fajoko. Great in the middle. He's he's not going to do anything at pass rush. He's going to be an early down guy, help you stop the run because he is a monster of a human being and he's great at run defense and not much else. Yeah. Very smart of uh, Omar Khan and company to go pick up a guy from the vaunted chargers run defense. Gonna be a it wasn't runner. on the interior. Yeah, it was all zone runs. We were historically bad on zone runs and we were in the middle of the pack on interior runs. We were historically bad on zone runs. It's like the special teams thing all over again, 2010. Yeah. Uh, Benton, I'm, I'm kind of excited for Benton. He's not going to bring a whole lot as far as run defense goes. I think he's going to be much more of a pass rusher, kind of like a Cam Hayward was. If he can put on some weight like Cam Hayward did when he came into the league, maybe he helps us a little bit more as far as run defense goes. But this is, you know, this is the fourth ranked group for a reason. There's a lot of talent riddled throughout this group, you know, even more than I thought at points in time last year. Like, I was like, man, this is, especially when TJ Watt went down, like, it was just like, man, does TJ really carry this group this hard? But I will say they'd be a lot higher in my personal rankings if it wasn't for the linebacker though. That's the yeah, like if I we, probably would have had them probably around one or two if it wasn't for them. If we had the past, so okay, so let's say last year didn't happen and it was Devin Bush and Miles Jack here, would it still be four? Or would the name value be... of the would the because Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts among like normal NFL people have zero. They're probably better. <laughs> yeah, but nobody knows who they are. Like Devin Bush was a first round pick. Miles Jack was a second round pick and was a Pro Bowler for Jacksonville. Like among normal NFL people, they're like, oh yeah, those two guys are better. But I, I think there's a real world in which we upgraded at linebacker this year. Like there is a chance where I that happens. You, I think you did too, honestly, because like you said, Miles Jack was freaking horrible bushes never materialized but <laughs> it, it still would have probably kept him in around the same range even with name value i mean miles jack was never the same player after that afc championship appearance i don't know what happened after that now what if we had fred warner and roquan smith uh you'd be zero because you wouldn't deserve to be at one you'd be better than that okay i'll talk to i'll talk to omar about uh potentially adding at least one of those two guys all right spend a lot of that's where to do it oh yeah that's how you build a team nowadays uh all right moving on to the secondary uh this is another group that made some big additions this offseason we got joey porter jr which like i said earlier i thought that when we traded up uh to jump the jets not specifically because we were jumping the jets but because joey porter maybe was falling a little bit mitchell are you all right over there cracking my back okay um just making sure uh so we're able to get Joey Porter. I'm like on the edge of my seat throughout all of those last picks. You know, there were a couple teams that needed corner towards the bottom of the draft. 
Uh, the Saints come to mind. The Chiefs come to mind that could have taken a corner. They opt obviously don't. And we get Joey Porter at the top of that second round. Uh, was a first-round player for me. Was a first-round player for a lot of people. Was, uh, you know, I think he was firmly, it was, the corners were kind of in tiers. You know, I had Devon Witherspoon in a tier by himself. And then Christian Gonzalez in a tier by himself. Some people had them too in the top tier. And then it was Joey Porter and Deontay Banks in a tier below those two guys. And then after that, you know, we're getting into the rest of the corners. But for a lot of people, he was either top three or top four corner. Uh, getting him in the second round, I think, is great for us. He is built perfectly for this scheme. If you haven't heard by now, his dad played for the Steelers. His dad's name, also Joey Porter. For those that didn't know and haven't heard that by now. and oh, like, like the cornerback. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what they'll be saying one day, right? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. Just like the quarterback. When we draft Joey Porter the third. Uh and, you know, long arms, press man fit, like he is your optimal Steelers corner. And that was, I know a lot of people were mocking him to Pittsburgh because his dad played here and he grew up in Pittsburgh and he went to Penn State. But more so than that, if his name was Levi Wallace, I don't, I couldn't have, I could, I literally, okay. <laughs> you pick someone actually. <laughs> if his name was Levi Peterson, he would be a perfect fit for the Steelers. And just like, as a play style fit, you know, long arms, press, shut up. Levi Wallace, here's a fun fact for all of you Steelers haters. Levi Wallace, number one in PFF grade on defending go routes last year. Number one, 96.8. So don't run one, a go route. The other routes. <laughs> don't run a go route on Levi Wallace or you will have a mistake on your hands, bucko. Um, Patrick Peterson gets brought in here. That was like our older veteran signing of the year. Uh, that we hope works out. He actually played pretty well for Minnesota uh, after it felt like for a little bit that his career was kind of ending, you know, kind of gets a little bit of a revitalization last year in Minnesota. It comes over here to Pittsburgh. I think it's great for, you know, not only just having a good player, but also the mentorship of being able to mentor a guy like Joey Porter and a guy like Corey Trice, who let me tell you is going to be a problem (laughs) for the NFL guys, six, three, He's runs a fourth, I think he ran a four four something. Um, oh, I guess he had injury concerns. He or did. Something. So I didn't ever he was hear it. he was a second or third round player for a lot of you know the media, yeah. a lot of teams. Um, I don't think I ever mocked him in as high as the second, but he was definitely a day two player by a lot of accounts. Falls all the way to the seventh round. I'm like sitting there staring. I'm like, how the hell is Corey Trice still available? And Omar Khan does his thing and goes and gets him in the seventh round. And supposedly he's been tearing it up in camp, which is something I'm very excited excited about. Uh, we could have a pair of young, good corners on our hands here. It's just a matter of, is his knee a ticking time bomb? Which was one of the things that I heard said about him, which is a little scary. But it's a seventh round pick. Like, if he doesn't work, if he never plays a snap for the Steelers, okay, I'd be a little upset because I'm getting a little attached to him. <laughs> but I, I, it's not like a big loss calls like... Uh, Oh God! What was his name? I th- I feel like it was Cody Sense. It's Cody Sensiball. Second, we picked him in the second round. Uh, seven years ago Spent now. Time on the Jags too, didn't he? Am I? Is it a different Sensiball? Anyway, we picked a second round. We picked a guy in the second round. He never played a snap for us. So, it, you know, that's been and that is the thing that why I'm like cautiously optimistic about this cornerback group because we drafted Artie Perns in the first round. We drafted whoever this guy is that I can't think of his name in the second round. We haven't been able to fix the corner problem here. You know, we brought in Joe Hayden, who, you know, 
could I I could very well see Patrick Peterson being like what Joe Hayden was for us. We bring Patrick Peterson over a little bit later, but like could he be a Joe Hayden level player for us for at least a year or two? I think that's very possible. And Joe Hayden was our CB one for a very long time at like thirty years old. So worse things have happened, and you got to remember also, you know, we're gonna run this press man bump and run scheme. Helps a lot to have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith up there. You know, these guys aren't going to have to cover for overly long. You know, they're not going to be following their guys for four, five, six seconds. Uh, it's just going to be kind of jam them, end the rep early, like I said about Corey Trice, uh, and let those pass rushers eat because that's ultimately what they're going to do. But, oh, real quick, we also have Minka Fitzpatrick, who I still think is the second-best safety in the league behind yours truly, Derwin James. But The player. I think he's <laughs> firmly number two now. I think he really made that apparent last year. He played like the best safety in the NFL last year. Uh, I still think Derwin's a little bit better. DeMonte Kazee and Keanu Neal, the package deal, have to play together at all times, are also here. Uh, I was really he worried about Yeah, I was really <laughs> worried about what we we're going to do about the second safety spot. That's why I really wanted Brian Branch, but I'm pretty cool with our draft that got an A-plus by most people, including myself. Uh, so I've talked for like eight minutes in a row. What do you have to say about the secondary? I I will just say of the blitz pod members, I just had to double check before I said this, but I was the highest on the secondary group. I actually really like this group. I think, <laughs> I think Patrick Peterson still has a little bit enough to give you guys a good run on defense, try to carry the offense up for the woes that we'll get to on the next slide. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's a really solid group, and they brought in a guy who will be a great mentor to both Trice, potentially, and JPJ. So hopefully they can learn from him, learn how to be a good press corner, and bring some a different element to this defense. They've been missing for what seems like my entire life almost, like watching you guys. It's always been underwhelming corner at best. <laughs> and then I'm like, because obviously if Minka and Derwin aren't your top three of safeties, yeah. then you're not ranking it right. You're looking at something completely out of the scope of everybody else's eyes. Apparently when you say like, when we're talking about the secondary and like, I think about how bad it's been in the past. I like get like nom flashbacks of like the CBS <laughs> intro screen of Artie Burns, Mike Mitchell, Sean Davis, Throughout, like, those teams where we had, and this is my opinion, and I've talked about this a little, not on the pod, but, like, you know, with my friends and stuff, that Big Ben, Le'Veon, and A.B. was the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio that we've ever seen in the NFL. We had that, and we were running out Sean Davis, Mike Mitchell, Artie Burns in our secondary on a week-to-week basis. And I just, like... Well, that's why they were putting up stats they had, oh, because yeah. they were constantly they had, on offense. And they had to. But, like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, dude, that was so... So bad. And it really, like, to be quite frank with you, other than Minka, it hasn't improved. Like, our corners have not been that bad, but... There's optimism now, though. In, like, the Steelers' best corner in the last 20 years is, like, Ike Taylor. Who I like Ike Taylor. But, like... Ryan Clark? Um, well, he, well was, he was safety, yeah. And then, safety. obviously, Troy was also a safety. So, like... Safety's been your strong spot. Safety not has quarter. been a strong spot. Corner... And I mean, even, I mean, I guess you start reaching back to Mel Blunt, then we're, and Rod Woods. Okay, I'm I'm going to stop talking. I'm showing my age a little we'll bit. We'll cut that one off. Yeah, no. But there's optimism to be had with this second. Certainly, we'll it's great. It that. <laughs> uh, moving on to the coaching, which we do have fourth because of that guy on the graphic that I could not find a picture of him looking the other way. So for those that can't do a little in inferring, inferring, 
That says defensive coordinator because I know he's got a little bit of black sleeve going there. You, you can't really figure it out. I'll give. I'll, I'll might have to put it in the Instagram comments as well. But that does in fact say defensive coordinator. But that guy right there, uh, who I think has, you know, really since he's taken over in Pittsburgh, has been one of the best coaches in the NFL. Is the primary reason why they're fourth. As I was really writing this down, because we did say like it's heavily weighted towards head coach, but coordinators matter. I think we probably have them maybe fifth or sixth, just because of the uh, ISIS I don't think impersonator I that we have at <laughs> offensive coordinator. I don't think I accounted for the offensive coordinator enough in my rankings personally. <laughs> I think I think I had us at like five. I think I probably asked it like fourth or fifth, but you know, as we go through this, and we, we both dive, had them at five. Yeah, as we dive through and we dive in and go through these rankings, and you know, pay a little bit more attention to the teams, it becomes like there are certain things that I'd want to swing one way or the other. Um, I like said, I mean, Tomlin, his resume speaks for himself. He hasn't had a losing season. The line, which we'll talk about in a minute, set at eight and a half. It's a trap. It's a trap. Go over. They're gonna win exactly eight and eight one tie. I, I I'm Never well looked. aware that's we've done that by the way in the first 17 game season we went eight eight and one. He will not do it. He will not allow it. Uh, but he's I'm gonna just keep saying that he's a great coach. We'll move on to Matt Canada. <laughs> the real talking point. Listen, there is a serious value to continuity. And I think that now more than ever where, you know, I think this is more of a talking point for the NBA, but also in the NFL as well, where if within two years or three years, depending on what kind of situation that coach is being hired into, if he hasn't shown either improvement or a continuation of results, he's fired almost without fail. And (laughs) not here because the Steelers, like same way with like the Spurs and the Warriors and, you know, teams like that. Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. The Packers, which, again, that's a flaw of theirs. We talked about it a little bit. That's because they don't have a real owner. Yeah. By (laughs) default, they have to practice continuity. But continuity matters. But when there's a guy that needs to be let go, you got to learn when to let him go. And I think maybe that's a little bit of Tomlin's ego there because he was, you know, Canada's guy for whatever reason the Steelers have this weird connection to Maryland which makes my life like a little weird because you know my favorite team and the college I'm going to have like this weird connection even though they're in completely different states Um, and I think that's part of why we got Canada and I think Tomlin doesn't want to admit that he was wrong about Canada like we kept um, Keith Butler for longer than we should have as well and I think that if we don't see improvement with Canada this year, I think he's probably out. My problem was the main reason why they said that they were going to keep Canada around was for continuity reasons, obviously, and to not ding the development of Kenny Pickett, for lack of a better word. You know, just trying to keep him with the same playbook and stuff like that. The problem is, when it's a bad playbook, and it's bad plays, and it's making him look worse than he is, that also hurts his development. And then when, like, if if we have one rookie year of him changing playbooks, that's fine. Like we could, we could, I mean, it'd be a little bit of a learning curve, but at least we'd be like, all right, for the rest of his rookie contract, he's probably going to have the same play caller. And he's probably going to be looking at the same playbook. Now we got two years in. And even by the time his rookie contract ends, half of his NFL life would have been spent with this shitter. And that, that hurts development more in my opinion. 
So if you've got anything to say about this coaching staff, please do before I hurt myself. <laughs> I don't know why you guys didn't just pull the plug on it and go on. I personally witnessed a complete change in play callers with Justin Herbert, and he got better in year two. It's not a complete detriment to completely switch over an offense. It might even bring more to their attention than they knew before. Because if you just stick with a horrible coordinator the entire time, they're not going to develop, and they're going to look like shit the entire time. There's no sense in keeping continuity if the continuity is just a clogged toilet the entire time. I mean, we've been hinting at it this entire time, but how bad of a play caller is. We talked about George Pickens not getting enough. I don't know if it was Pickett or Canada's play calling, probably more so Canada than Pickett, but maybe a little Pickett on, like, nothing in the middle of the field. I, I swear, every time I turned on one of your guys' games early in the season when it was still Trubisky, there was some stupid wide receiver reverse or fake wide receiver reverse going on. He was going deep into his bag. Them and the Raiders just, for some reason, were in love with wide receiver reverse or fake wide receiver reverse, and it just did not work for anybody. I don't know why they keep trying this. It was just so painful with both quarterbacks to watch him try to call an offense and completely tank the team when the defense was playing their hearts out. Yeah, it is. Uh, you're going to make me cry here in a minute, but... That was the same problem that we had when Big Ben was here, and I understand why we did it with Big Ben was because Big Ben was old. Big Ben didn't have the arm that he used to, so we kind of had to create plays that way. Uh, we did it a lot with Chase Claypool. We don't really do it as much with Pickens as we did with Claypool, but Claypool's uh, probably a better athlete in my opinion, uh, at least as far as size, speed, can't catch shit high. like that goes. Hey, <laughs> man, stop it. Um, and we ran that a lot, like especially like – Inside the five or inside the ten, we ran a lot of jet sweeps to be inside the five-yard line. <laughs> we went this way a lot when we're supposed to be going this way. Like when we're, you know, 15 steps away from scoring points and we're worry. just like, all right, well, we're just going to run out of bounds. That was one thing, and I, I did want to mention this with the playmakers. One reason why I think that we don't target Deontay Johnson in the middle of the field is because he does this dumb shit where he'll be like, Oh, but I could get a little bit more. Oh, and then he'll just do that over and over again until he runs out of bounds. Like that, that's like one of the most frustrating things is like Deontay Johnson always tries to bust it outside. So that way he can make the big play. I've never in my life seen Deontay Johnson run open down the sideline because he never is actually able to do that. Run forward. <laughs> it's all lateral quickness, nothing vertical. It's, I mean, and that's, is his best attribute is his like shiftiness. And that's why he's such a great separator. But Jesus Christ, man, like the amount of times that he did that and would either run out of bounds or fumble or anything other than goodness. For how high you were on this playmakers group, you're sounding awfully negative and it seemed to be Canada at first and now it's turning into event set. Terrell Austin is the defensive coordinator here. Moving on to the schedule. Uh, this is the 25th ranked strength of schedule. We are lucky enough to get both the AFC South and the NFC North, which the AFC South probably the worst division in the AFC. NFC North probably the second worst division in the NFC uh, outside of the NFC South. But we do have to play the Bengals, Ravens, and Browns twice a year, which is probably like the only thing that's keeping this from being the worst strength of schedule because you know those teams... Two of them made the playoffs. One of them was right there with us uh, on the outside looking in. Uh, and that team is going to get a potential franchise quarterback back this year as well. 
the over-under is set at 8.5 wins. And I'm telling you, Vegas knows what they're doing here with this line. I wonder how many of the bets are on the over just off the fact that it's like, up, oh, it's a winning... All he has to do, if they get the winning season, they're over this line. And... Looking down the schedule, I don't think it's crazy. I think we split with every one of our division opponents. I like that's just kind of how it is in the AFC North. We like every year, no matter how good we are, no matter how bad we are, we split. I think Cincinnati swept us two years ago. But other than that, I mean, we 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 swept Baltimore like two or three years in a row. But um i do i do think you know whether i i think obviously we all think that the Bengals, ravens and browns are higher than the steelers at least in our rankings but i do think we split with them and then outside of that you're looking at wait do we play the we play that it looks like the nfc West, i was about to say which is like a solid two and two record because you get two freebies and then two ridiculously hard ones i'm an idiot i looked at the packers and i was like yep, i was looking that's at the nfc north like, that's there's one NFC North team on there. Well, you play the Packers once, so yeah, Something. yep. We play a team in the NFC North. Um, I honestly <laughs> would I say that I like that even better? Honestly, I think I do because you get the Cardinals I don't and the Rams. Because I, I feel like, like the Niners is like a guaranteed loss. Sorry, it's not, but it's not. You know why? We beat the Bengals in Week One last year. We beat the Bills in Week One the year before you that. And I'm pretty sure we Joe beat Burrow with post appendicitis, who had no training camp and just rolled up like a week before. To play. What about the Bills the year before that? Yeah, that was that one was rough. We're really good in Week One. Two years ago, we're really good. In, I think that's and we're at home. I I really think that's going to be a close game. Also, this is like the first time we played at home in Week One in like nine years. I don't know. I still feel like I'm taking the Steelers on the, the spread. Two free I'm gonna be honest. On the spread, let me run through. I'll try to read through. I think you guys are gonna lose the Niners. I think you guys will split with the Browns. I'll give you guys the benefit of the doubt and say you split within the division. So we're at four there. You'll beat the Raiders. So two and four. Beat the Texans. Three and four. Beat the Rams. Four and four. Um, Jags. That one could be a coin toss. We'll see which version of Trevor Lawrence we're seeing at that point. Yeah. Uh, Titans, they might be a little more frisky than what we've given them. That'll be a closer. Rankings. That'll be a closer line than I think a lot of people think. It's two hard-nosed teams against each other. That, mm-hmm. That's the hardest part of it. Uh, Packers, if Jordan Jordan Love's either going to be amazing or horrible. So I honestly think that game comes down to whoever's playing better between Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love at that point in the season. Probably whoever's got the hot hand. Uh, then the one that's not divisional next is the Cardinals dub. Pats coaching versus coaching. There, we'll see how good they're that's, doing. That's that the point. same thing. I, I think I it's like Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett it. matchup in my mind. Uh, Colts, you guys should be able to handle that one. We'll see if AR is looking at that point. And then the Seahawks is the I think, last. I think we lose. Yeah, I think we lose Seattle on the road. We all. I I don't like yeah, the fact that we finished the season with and, Bengals. Uh, Seahawks and Ravens, two of those on the road. That might be the nail in the coffin. Is what it is, but if we're sitting at 8-8, heading into Week 17 in Baltimore, Tomlin ain't going to let it happen. I'm telling you. I don't think... I'm I'm such such a fucking fanboy. I hate it. Whoever's still listening, I'm so sorry. So, the first year he doesn't go above 500, how far does he tank in the rankings? Because there's been a lot of around five seasons that he's been coasting off of. Well, and that's the thing, and we're sitting at – I am fully content with this going over an hour. I'm I'm totally (laughs) – like, 
I knew that this was going to happen. Uh, and we're getting to better teams now, so I think these episodes are going to start getting a little bit longer. Uh, whether that's good or bad, we'll find out. A lot of the, analysis uh, to do. With the view time. But I am a little tired with hearing, like, whenever we're sitting at, like, whatever record we're at, and Tomlin's like, oh, we got three playoff wins in however many years. Like, you know how many teams have more playoff wins than that? All the teams that have just, like, your top six quarterbacks. Like, that's really it. Like, unless you have one of those guys, which we probably stopped having, what, six, seven years ago, something like that. And all the years that we had Big Ben at his peak, we had, like, some of the worst defenses in the NFL. Or at least when we had the offense at its peak, we had some of the worst defenses in the NFL. And the years that we had good defenses and good Big Ben, we won a Super Bowl, we went to a Super Bowl, we went to an AFC Championship game. Like, I mean, I don't know what else you could ask. And the winning seasons, like, there are zero teams in the NFL that have not had a losing season in the last 16 years, so. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for Cam Newton having to start for the Pats. Yeah, I guess. We would be having a much different conversation. Well, and they had Tom Brady, so fuck them. And also, it's not to start his career. And, just forgot my point. (laughs) Fuck. I was coming in with a heavy hitter, too. I mean, Tomlin walked into a Super Bowl caliber team almost. They were not far removed from when Cower was still in there and yeah. running the team. I mean, it was it was a lot of the same. Like, the offensive line had gotten worse. So the fact that we won that Super Bowl was kind of a blessing. But, like, just how many – we are so lucky as Steelers fans to have Tomlin. And, you know, we've got them at fourth, even with the handicap that is Matt Canada. How many guys are we going to... We're going to fire Mike Tomlin. There are teams that will fire... If we fired Mike Tomlin in week 11, there would be teams that would immediately fire their coach so they could get in with Mike Tomlin, like, as fast as they can. There And then, what do we do? Where where Are we going to go get Bill Belichick? Are we going to go get Andy Reid? Are we going to go get Kyle... Sh- like, is that the plan? If we fire Mike Tomlin, what are we going to do? get the next offensive guru for Kenny Pickett. No, uh, we pro- no, we promote Matt Canada. That's what we're going to do. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> the cons seem to love him, so it worked out. Oh, okay, so over, under 8.5, and, and then we'll get moving to the rankings and we'll get out of here. I'm going to go, I think this is the year. Coward! Coward! No! 8 wins. 8, 8, and 1. Censored. Censor this. <laughs> 8, 8, 8, 8, and 1 is still under, so. <sighs> fine. I'm hedging. As long as Tomlin doesn't they get They can still get the 500. It's fine. All right. Wrapping up here with the rankings, so we have the offense ranked at 18th. We have the defense ranked at 7th. These formulas are getting a lot more complicated as we go because you see 18 on offense, 7 on defense, 4th in coaching, somehow we're 17th. I I just work here. (laughs) I just work here. Um, I will warn you that the Giants just signed James Robinson, so we might have to do some adjusting to rankings after this well, episode. Well, I'm, I'm glad we kept the Steelers here then. Um, <laughs> so right now, uh, the championship window, I have it as closed, because I don't think this is a championship team this year. I not do think No, not in the AFC. I Okay, if we were dropped in the NFC, do you think the championship window is open? You'd win the NFC South. And then maybe a playoff game, and then I don't think you compete with the top three. You'd need Cowboys, some right. luck. Okay. I was like, "Well, and we're going to talk about the Cowboys um, whenever the Cow. <laughs> we're going to talk about the Cowboys whenever it's their turn to be talked In about. Whatever amount of rankings, away yeah, that is. however long away that is from now. 
Um, so I do have it as one to two years away. I think if Kenny Pickett plays like he did in those last half of the season for even 75% of next year, we're talking about him as a top half, maybe top 12 quarterback in the NFL, like right in that Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, I'd even throw in like Tua uh, in that tier, right in right in there with those guys. You'd still have, this defense should still be intact unless Cam Hayward makes a big drop off or we have a humongous injury that like you know leaks into next year. Uh, and even the playmakers should still be intact as well. I think Deontay Johnson would still be under contract for that next year, and I think we're right in it. Even if Kenny Pickett doesn't make that big step, I think we fire Matt Canada, get a new offensive coordinator, and then Kenny that's Pickett makes the, the step. And opens. that's when the championship window <laughs> opens. And even you know what? Even if Kenny Pickett makes that step, I still think there's a world in which we fire Matt Canada because it's just like okay. This wasn't a top five offense. You're goodbye. Get out. Get out. Uh, I think what you unfair, guys would have unfair. to do is I think it's fair. I think yeah. what you would have to do is make the hard choice of moving on from Deontay and finding a star receiver because he's not a star, and Pickens is pretty much a niche guy right now. That's like, what I is jump balls, and that's about it. Well, and that's the thing was like I had Pickens as my wide receiver too in that class. I was like over the moon when we drafted him in this. I was at work. I like couldn't get over myself. I was so happy because he had an X receiver skill set. I don't think he becomes an X receiver in the NFL. Now that I've seen him in the NFL, he would really need to come a long way as far as separating goes. Um, but I would love to see us go do that. I think with Omar Khan, I think that the odds of us doing that are a little bit higher. Now, obviously for us to do that, it would need to be that season that we're talking about with Kenny Pickett, where we look at him and go, okay, this is one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the missing NFL. missing that one thing. And he yeah. needs a guy. Like, he needs a guy. And even if, you know, our contract situation is good enough, you know, even with the guys that we're paying on defense uh, and Trubisky still being was able only to pay. two years, right? So you're done with him after this year? Yeah, and I think we, like, there were thoughts of us cutting him or trading him or whatever. But, you know, we're paying Kenny Pickett $3 million a year for, like, the next three or you know for the rest of his rookie contract we could hypothetically just move Deontay into the slot and go get a guy like just add on to that maybe we draft a wide receiver again I mean you know we're a wide receiver factory we can just pick a guy in the second round and get a superstar that way that's a lot easier than trading or wait for a guy with character concerns later on and you'll manage to keep it in house oh yeah or get, draft a guy who's really good and then he develops character concerns for whatever godforsaken reason huh <laughs> um but okay so are you are we are we in step here with the championship window with the offense defense rankings yeah, I think we're in step. I think the only thing holding you guys back from being further up is just another season of seeing Pickett prove it. Okay. All right. I, I like to hear that. This is making me feel good. I'm ready to run through a wall. All right. Um, God, I'm so excited for football season. Uh, so this officially uh, concludes the first, the first bottom half of the rankings. We've only got the top half left we're to go. We're now moving into the top half. Yeah, we're now moving into the yeah. top half. Um, I might put up some snazzy stuff on the Instagram. I might not. I might play the show for a little bit. So it's kind of like a, do I want to post it or not? Uh, some little snazzy graphics about some stuff about this stuff. We got to end this episode. Um, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for bearing with me. If you're a Steelers fan, I'm sure you're right there with me. If you're not, you probably stopped watching roughly 45 minutes ago. So if you're still here, please, uh, do the like. Thing, do the comment thing subscribe tell your friends to like tell your friends to comment tell your friends to subscribe 
because we need it. Spotify, brother. I'm leave telling a good you. Mood. On Spotify, leave a good review. Do whatever the equivalent of that is on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if it's like a heart or whatever it is. Do that there. Go check us out on Instagram at BlitzPod. Um, we got 16 more teams to go. The teams are only going to be getting better. The and analysis is only going to be getting podcast better. Podcast members remaining. Yeah. So, um, and shut up. By the way, expect longer podcasts on those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the same thing that, like, it's going to be different when Mitchell comes up for the Chargers, whenever that is, because we don't know when that is. Um, it's going to be a little bit different because I'll just tell him to shut the hell up um, at a certain point. Whereas, like, since I'm the host <laughs> today, I could just go on for hours and hours, as I have done. Um, but I can stop Mitchell. So, for, for the four Chargers fans the out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bullshit. Um, for our four Chargers fans out there on planet Earth, uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, it can't tell you what team we have coming up next because that would ruin the surprise. So, um, but there was an argument about it. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> All right, if you got if you made it to the end of this video, congratulations. You may or may not know what we're talking about. Um, and thank you again. Do all that stuff that I said, but we are out of here. Should I do the cane thing? Should I do it? You know the little. All right. Well, no, not that. We are though. moving on to the next one in the rankings. See you guys Peace. next week.